Good morning, Christ the King. All right, so let's go ahead and open up to today's scripture reading, which is coming from 1 John chapter 2, starting with verse 18 to 27, I believe. Okay, today's scripture reading says, Children, it is the last hour, and as, if you, as you have heard, yet that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they, were, if they had been of us, they would, not have, they would have continued with us. But they went out that I might become plain that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Father has the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true, and there's no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is the word of the Lord. Very good. Okay, so it's been a couple months since I've been up here. Uh, and during that time, I know that we do have or have had some new people come into the church. So I'm going to just kind of recap uh, what I've taught so far. Uh, we're in the first epistle of John. And uh, John, this is an epistle from an aging uh, apostle. Uh, who is near the end of his life. He's the last remaining apostle from the original 12. And he is writing to a group of uh, Christians that many scholars believe were in Asia Minor. Uh, now, during this time, uh, a false sect of Christianity had, begun to, had come to infiltrate the church. Uh, they were known as Gnostics. And these Gnostics had uh, different beliefs than uh, what John and the other apostles had originally taught about Jesus Christ and the gospel. So it began to cause a lot of confusion within the Christian community. So what John uh, decides to do is to assure his audience that they are truly in Christ, truly uh, children of God. And the way he does so is by giving, is by giving three, uh, three tests. Now, uh, the first test that scholars uh, call is the test of obedience. John says that if you confess to know him and yet do not walk in the way of the light, then you are truly, or you are really not a child of God. Okay, that is the first test. The second test is the test of love. The, the love test uh, has two parts. Uh, first part is if you are truly a believer, then you're going to love your neighbor. You are not going to hate your neighbor. Hate has no part in the life of a Christian. Uh, second part to that is you will not love the world. Uh, many people or the world has a lot of 
uh, things out there that try to deceive us. And um, a true Christian will not love the things of the world. We know that we should put Jesus Christ first. Now, we come to the third test and what scholars call the test, the doctrinal test or the test of truth. So, this test is to see whether Jesus, the Jesus that these group of Christians believe is the same Jesus that the, that the scriptures testify about. Now, many religions out there, whether uh, it's Muslims, Jehovah's Witness, um, whatever religion out there, they all believe in Jesus, right? Everyone believes it, even non-Christians, people that have nothing to do with the faith, believe in Jesus. So the real question is not whether you believe in Jesus or not, it's who is Jesus, uh, if you recall the episode in the, uh, in the Gospels when Jesus is, w- is gathered with his disciples and he asks them, who do the people say I am? And they say, well, some people say you're John the Baptist and they say you're, you're Jeremiah, things like that. And then he says, but who do you say I am? He doesn't, he doesn't say, do the ple- people believe in me? Do you believe in me? That's not, that's not the question. The question is, who am I? Who do you say I am? And so we'll answer that question a little later in the sermon. Now, John, here in this episode, informs his hearers that they're now living in the last hour. Uh, The last hour is just another way to say they're living in the last days, the last times, and that period of time consists from the first coming of Jesus Christ to his second coming. All that period is considered uh, in the New Testament as the last hour, the last times. So the first indication that that John uh, gives to his audience is the arrival of the Antichrist and also many Antichrists. So, um, not only is there going to be one Antichrist, one figure, which in other parts of Scripture, is, uh, he's known as a man of lawlessness, uh, but there's going to be many Antichrists that are going to come into the world, and they're going to try to deceive the true children of God away from the church. Now, here in the West, what comes to mind when you hear the word Antichrist? I'm sure many of us have probably seen the Left Behind series or read the books, and we tend to see this Antichrist figure as someone who's going to come during the tribulation and cause all sorts of of havoc um, on the earth. Um, John doesn't really go into much detail about the Antichrist, but he does have more to say about the Antichrist, plural. Um, And so the Antichrist... If you skip, well, in chapter 4, John kind of describes what an Antichrist is. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. So now remember, uh, John's audience at the time, uh, they're being infiltrated by this uh, Gnostic sect known as Docetism. Docetism, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But they didn't believe in the incarnation of Jesus. Uh, They believed that Jesus only appeared to be human, uh, but never actually took on flesh. Uh, when we hear the word anti, we usually tend to think of something that's opposed to. Uh, so we usually think Antichrist is someone who's opposed to Christ, but that's not necessarily the case here. Uh, what John is saying is someone who comes to deceive 
you into thinking that they are the Christ or, um, yeah, that they are the Christ. So um, if you don't know, I, I've, I work as a trainer over at a call center on the east side. Um, and uh, one, about once, every, once a month, I get a fresh batch of about 30 people that I need to train in the healthcare department. Now, to keep a class of 30 people engaged for an eight-hour shift can be a little challenging. So I always have a, an arsenal of provocative questions that I ask when I see that they're getting a little drowsy. So one of the questions that I usually ask is, I give them a, a hypothetical scenario, which I do with many of you here, and I know you guys all appreciate. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So let's pretend that you are fresh out of high school, you go into college, and now you're in your senior year of college. Senior year, you're about to graduate, get your degree. Now, during this time, you find this actually goes for the men, not necessarily the women. This is for the men. So men, you tell me what, what you think. So men, you find the woman of your dreams, whatever that looks like to you. You date her for a couple months, and after a while, you get engaged, and eventually you get married. Now, you get married, and after a couple years, you decide you're going to want to try to build a family. So you try to get pregnant, and it's not happening. You're trying, you're trying, it's not, going, it's, not, it's not happening. So she goes to the doctor, gets checked up. Apparently nothing's wrong with her. So guess what? Now it's your turn to go to the doctor to see if you're okay. So now you go to the doctor, you get checked out, and nothing is wrong with you. So there's this big cloud of mystery surrounding what's going on with this whole pregnancy thing. You cannot get pregnant. Um, so after a while, eventually, you just give up on the whole idea about building a family. There's adoption options and stuff like that, but you decide you don't want to go that route. It's just going to be me and you for the rest of our lives. Now, 50 years pass by. 50. 50. Did I say 50? I did say 50. 50 years pass by. You're now about 75-ish around there, and you're out celebrating your 75th wedding anniversary. You go out to a fancy restaurant, and you're there eating, you're enjoying your meal, and all of a sudden, she tells you, sweetie, I got something to confess. And you're like, okay, let's have it. So she tells you, remember way back when we were trying to get pregnant and I couldn't get pregnant? And you're like, yeah. And she says, well, the reason why I couldn't get pregnant is because before we met in college, I was actually born a male, and I had a sex change. <laughs> and I had all the hormones done, and, and you just had no idea what was going on. Imagine the deception. The deception being lied to for 50 years of your, your whole life, pretty much gone, with this lie that you're married to a, a, a guy. Um, but yeah, 50 years, so... It's, so I usually ask the guys, would you stay, would you go, what would you do? 50, you're 75 years old, a lot of guys were like, well, forget it, I'm already 75, I'm just going to stay. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, so 50 years of deception. Imagine coming to the end of your life, you're in front of God after you die, and knowing 
and he tells you that you've been deceived. You've been worshiping an idol your whole life. John, or Jesus tells um, his disciples that at the end, many are going to come to me and say, I did this, I did this in your name. He's going to tell them, I never knew you, depart from me. People are easily deceived by what John calls antichrists. So, second indication that uh, we're living in the last hour, John tells his audience, is that many people are going to fall from the faith. They're going to apostatize. Uh, if you look at verse 19 with me, he says, They were not from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. So, there's this group of believers. These Gnostics are creating all sorts of confusion and chaos within the church. A lot of them are leaving. So, it's, uh, these people that are, that are left behind, not left behind, but they're, that remain in the church, they're starting to get confused, and they're like, well, am I truly in Christ? Um, John here says, don't worry, you are in Christ. The false prophets or the false teachers are the ones that are leaving. So it's not that people are going to lose their salvation at the end of, at the end of days. It's more that the, the true people of Christ are going to persevere till the end. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says that in the last times, in the last times uh, there will be people who will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. 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 Am I saying that right? Myths. Yeah. So, it doesn't mean that if you change churches, you're apostatizing. I, I did that when I was still young in the faith uh, because I was still trying to find my footing and see uh, where it was that, that I fit in. You know, so I was church hopping, but not because I wanted to, it's just because I would come to a certain truth in the, in the scriptures and it didn't really align to what that church believed. So just for conscience sake, I had to make the difficult decision to move. Um, I'm sure all of you guys have, uh, well, most of you have heard of uh, Kanye West and his apparent conversion to Christianity. Uh, if you don't know who Kanye West is, he is a musical artist who has been around for quite some time now, about 15, 20 years. Um, I've actually followed his career from the beginning, from when he was unknown till now. And um, back when he first uh, came out, since back like in 04, he had the song that, um, that was called Jesus Walks. And it made a little bit of, it created a little bit of uh, buzz, but nothing really came out of that. So now 15 years later, he's professing to be a, uh, a Christian. So... It's, it's uh, causing a lot of, I, I wouldn't say confusion within the Christian community, uh, but people are very skeptical. Um, they don't want to truly believe that a celebrity of his status uh, would come to Christ. Um, I've seen a lot of the interviews that, that, the, that he had recently. I, I try not to see other people's opinions because the media and, and critics are always going to twist the truth. So I try to see what he has to say for himself. And a lot of what he's saying 
it's true, it's true Christianity. He's promoting Jesus. His latest album that he just came out with is called Jesus is King. Um, I heard it, and there's nothing wrong with it, but there's still that, that tiny, that tiny, that skepticism that, you know, he's going to, to turn at some point. Recently, just last week, he was at uh, Joel Osteen's church um, giving his little spew out there and kind of, you know, uh, advocating for Mr. Joel Osteen. And so we know that, or we should know, that that's not a, a teacher we should follow. Um, but he's there. And what, what can we say? Is he being deceived? He might be. Um, I was, when I began my Christian pilgrimage, I was at a church in town where they thought of Jesus as a means to get health, wealth, and prosperity. And I didn't have a Paul or someone to come alongside me to tell me, no, 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 that's the wrong path. It took me a couple months uh, before I, you know, I realized the Holy Spirit within me illuminated my mind to say, you know what, this is not where you need to be. At that point, you need to make a decision. Once you realize you're in a position where, where you're at, they're not teaching biblical truth, uh, you need to make the decision whether you're going to stay or go. And uh, for me, it wasn't really an option. I knew I had to go, but it was going to be a difficult decision because I had created some relationships with people there, and uh, it was going to cause a stir. Uh, people asked me, sure enough, when I left, why are you leaving? And I had to tell them, you know, this is not a gospel-based church. So I was known as a heretic by some of these people. Did it hurt? Yeah, it hurt. But I had to do what I had to do to continue with the truth. So, what has God done for us, his church, to, to help us in being deceived, from being deceived from these antichrists? Two things. Um, number one, He's provided a safeguard in the gospel. If you look at number twi- uh, verse 24, he says, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. So what is he talking about here? He's talking about the gospel. The gospel that you heard from the beginning when you first came to faith. Let the gospel abide in you. That's the first safeguard that God has given us to protect us from uh, the deceivers that are out there. Uh, the second thing that he's given us is um, the Holy Spirit. Verse 27 says, But you have an anointing that you have received from him, but the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has been taught to you, abide in him. So uh, here John is talking about the anointing that we receive when we come to Christ. That anointing, of course, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not allow us to be deceived. Um, What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit abiding in us? Many, or many religions, unfortunately, teach that everyone that's born into this world is a child of God. That is not the case. Christianity actually teaches 
quite the opposite. Um, in Ephesians, it says that by nature we'll tr- we're children of wrath. We come into this world uh, under the curse of sin and under God's wrath. And until we're born again, uh, that wrath remains on us. Um, Paul, uh, writing to the Romans, says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So again, not everyone is a child of God. Yes, every person that comes into this world is created by God. Yes, every person that comes into this world is made in the image of God. But not everyone is a child of God. Not everyone has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. It is not until you are born again that you become a child of God. So, what, what must we do given that we have these safeguards? We have the gospel and we have the Holy Spirit to safeguard us from uh, the Antichrist. What is our responsibility in, in keeping from being deceived? Uh, number one, uh, we need to stay constantly in God's word. Uh, you hear it over and over from preachers. Stay, read your Bible, read your Bible. And we, we tell you that for a reason. It's the only way that you're going to renew your mind according to God's word. Uh, if you're not in the scriptures, if you're not in the Bible, then it's going to be hard for you to know and understand what the truth of God is. And the easier it is for someone to come along and deceive you and, and lead you astray. Um, it always boggles my mind when people call themselves Christians and they go months, months and months, even years, without even picking up the scriptures. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not saved, but there's something wrong there. When you say you're a Christian and you don't pick up the Bible to read the Word. So that's number one. Always, always, constantly remain rooted and grounded in God's Word on a daily basis. Uh, number two, uh, which goes hand in hand with number one, is rely on the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into the truth. Uh, sometimes we just pick up the Bible, we begin reading, we close it, and that's it. We don't depend on the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word of God to us. Holy, the Holy Spirit is the author of God's Word. He is the one who penned this, not the apostles, not whoever it is. I mean, yes, they, they physically wrote it down, but it was the Holy Spirit who led them to write what, what, what was written. So without his illumination... Uh, we're going to have a hard time understanding certain biblical truths. So we need to depend on the Holy Spirit whenever we pick, we pick up the scriptures to illuminate our minds and to lead us and guide us into all truth. Uh, now, a little, bit o- a little bit over a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, I preached my first sermon, and in that sermon I had mentioned that um, I watched one of R.C. Sproul's last interviews that he had made, and they had asked him, what do you believe is the biggest challenge that the church is going to face um, in, in, the upcoming, in the upcoming years? Well, without hesitation, he said that the biggest challenge that he believed uh, the church would have would be the doctrine of Christ, Christology. Um, that, that's been the case for pretty much much of church history. Uh, since uh, 
way back when John wrote this letter until now, there's been certain periods of time where it's intensified, but there's always been that, um, that division, that struggle with who Christ is, uh, his, his work, uh, his perfect obedience, his active obedience, and um, that's, there's always that, that debate about who Christ is. And at the end of the day, if we don't know who Christ really is, the Christ of the scriptures, um, it might cost us. It might cost us dearly or severely. Um, so I'm going to end with what I believe is probably the best description of who Christ is. This is coming from the Nicene Creed of, from the 4th century and it says, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the begotten of God, the Father, the only begotten, that is, of the essence of the Father. God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten and not made, of the very same nature of the Father, by whom all things came into being, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, who for us, humanity, and for all salvation, came down from heaven, was incarnate, was made human, was born perfectly of the Holy Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit, by whom we took body, soul, and mind, and everything that is in man, truly and not in semblance. He suffered, was crucified, was buried, rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven with the same body, and sat at the right hand of the Father. He is to come with the same body and with the glory of the Father to judge the living and the dead of his kingdom. There is no end. That is, I believe, the best description you'll ever find on Jesus Christ. So my exhortation to you today, uh, my dear family, is to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ do not let any uh, antichrists come into your life and lead you astray with false teachings. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Rely on the scriptures. Stay on the scriptures. Stay with the scriptures, and, um, and you will be led into all truth. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us and continue to do for us. Thank you, Lord, for anointing us with your Holy Spirit, who leads us into all truth. Thank you, Father, for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ for dying for our sins and making us born again that we might see and hear the truth of your word. Father, as we go out into this world, we pray that you would continue to lead and guide our footsteps into all righteousness. Increase our love for one another. Increase our love for this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.